This is the Creative Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Lopez. Hope you enjoy this podcast. It's set up and designed for coaches, leaders, and influencers to share their stories and inspire others to share their stories as well. That we can all learn together as a community and get better every day. So thank you for listening. Here's season two. Today's guest is Chris Hackett. Coach Hackett is the head coach for the men's team at Frank Phillips College. We talked to him today about comparisons between the U.S. and European game, how basketball's created a ton of opportunities that you'd have to be willing to change. Hope you enjoyed this podcast and you look to get better every day. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. Good, good to have, uh, good to be here. Thanks for having me on. No, Coach Hackett, I, I do appreciate your time. Uh, so glad that you agreed to be on. And uh, you know, here again, I know you've probably got some challenges with this whole virus thing and recruiting and and just trying to get a grip on what's you know coming down the pike here in the future. So I do here again. Thank you for taking some time out of your schedule for uh, for joining us here. Now, yeah, no problem. Now, Coach, how were you introduced to the game of basketball? It was actually through my mom. I mean, basketball is not a very big game in England. And yeah. My mom played for a, uh, for a team in England called the Sheffield Hatters when, when they very first started out. And, and they went on to become one of the uh, biggest powerhouses in, in all of Europe. In, in any sport, men's, women's, soccer, basketball, they, they won. I couldn't tell you how many trophies, but they were, they were a powerhouse for a long time. And my mom was kind of, kind of not part of that. She was part of the early stages, and I never, I never saw a play. It was all kind of when I was born and before I became, you know, old enough to understand. But we, we actually went back for a uh, uh, like a reunion or a championship celebration or something like that, and and we all went. I went, and they had a uh, uh, like a in, beginning basketball session or something like that. And yeah, I went to that about eleven years old, and that, that was the first time I ever touched the basketball. Didn't know any of the rules. Never, never even seen the game. Uh, never, never mind played it. Uh, and it just kind of went from there. And it was, uh, you know, something that I picked up pretty quickly. Yeah. And, and basketball is not, you know, it's not a uh, big time sport in England with kind of like you know soccer and rugby and cricket and things like that. Uh, so it was something that not a lot of people did. So I, I kind of moved up pretty quickly, and it was something I enjoyed. And basketball is something you can get good at by yourself. Yeah. Uh, so, so I spent hours, uh, you know, shooting by myself and dribbling and, you know, trying to pick things up and work on moves and just, just kind of a lot of kids do. And uh, I was fortunate within, within about three years, I was playing for the, for the city and playing for the North of England. And I uh, just kind of went through that. I had a chance to go to uh, high school uh, over in the States. You know, this is back when, it's like today, it's easy with email and film and but back then he was writing letters to coaches and waiting yeah. a week for them to get it and sending VHS tapes and you know it wasn't the same format they'd have to get it changed over and yeah. so I was actually going to go to a high school in Washington and right before I was about to go uh, they uh, changed the rules on international students being able to play so they said well you can still go but and you can practice with the team and there's church leagues but you wouldn't actually be able to play for the high school said, well, I'm not going to go for that I didn't need to academic I already graduated high school in England so it was only really going to be for kind of exposure and basketball. So I ended up yeah. staying in England another year, 
and then was fortunate enough to, to get a chance to go to Allen Community College in Kansas. And that was kind of my, uh, my start into the, to the journey in the U.S. So, Coach, you say your mom played and whatnot. Did she, did she have any part of your development as a player? Did she take you to the gym, whip on you for a little bit? I mean, what? what? No, not, not really. Not so much. I mean, my mom and dad went everywhere. I mean, they took me everywhere. They would, you know, they watched my dad. I mean, really loved basketball, but didn't know anything about basketball. He, he kind of developed it through me. So it wasn't so much that he was trying to teach me and, and show me. He didn't really know either. But, gotcha. you know, they, they took me all over the country, you know, just for games and tournaments and, you know, things like that. So they, they were always right with me and helping me, but not, not so much in teaching me because I don't think they really knew. Wonderful. Now, Coach, uh, what was your experience as a player coming out? Like you said, you came to the States. Uh, and, and prior to that, what, what was your experience like as a player? I had a, I had a really good career in England, but again, it's not not quite as high a level. And, and uh, junior college basketball in Kansas is you know just kind of like it is here in Texas. It's just really high level. So yeah. uh, it was a big adjustment when I when I came over. And I came from a big city. I went from a you know a, one of the biggest cities in England to one of the small town in Texas. And there's more cows than people. You know, so it was it was a big adjustment as far as culturally and getting used to being in a small town. But the basketball was good. Uh, you know, big step up for me. And now, what happened to me and how I got into coaching was I told my brother the cuff, oh. and that kind of it was on a thing where I was already you know having to work real hard just to kind of stay stay up with some of the guys I was now going against, and then I got hurt and. You know, it, it, after my sophomore year, I kind of had a decision to make because they had, back then, Kansas had out-of-state rules and, and things like that. And, uh, you know, that the coach had said in the world, you know, if, if you don't if you don't be one of the out-of-state spots, we'd like you to stay on as, as like a student assistant. So that, that's how that was my first step into coaching. And then after I finished junior college, uh, it was the same thing. I had a couple options to maybe go play and try and play again. And then I had an option to go to Missouri Southern with, uh, with Robert Corn and be a student assistant for him. Wow! Uh, so I ended up I chose that one, and uh, kind of that was kind of took off from there. Great, Coach Man, that's an interesting story, and I think that's a story of a lot of players is that they want to stay in a part of the game, and though they love to, uh, their body's not able for whatever reason, you know, injuries, uh, just not being able to sustain that or, or jump to the next level. Uh, so they want to be a part. And, and I think that's what young people, especially, you know, like where you're at it in the junior college level, uh, you know, some of them think once it's done, what do I do now? Well, there's a lot to do yeah. in the game of basketball, especially now. There are a lot of positions and pain positions within the game to actually make a career out of it. Even though you may not be dribbling the ball anymore, uh, you can still be a part of, you know, the process, if you will. So that's a great story, yeah. man. It really is. Now, Coach, were you the type of player that you'd want to coach or that you could coach, or were you just uh, – Yeah, I, I think I, I think so. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I took the game really seriously. You know, I think a lot of uh, uh, a lot of Europeans kind of do that. And it's, it's funny, I was talking to a Serbian coach oh, last year, I guess now, but he told me, he said, Coach, you know, in, in America, the professionals act like kids in Serbia – the kids act like professionals. Wow. And, and I thought, man, that's, that's a really good comment because that's yeah. kind of growing up, you know, we took it really seriously, you know, even, even though, uh, we didn't always have the same access to gyms and we didn't have the same access to coaching and stuff like that. But certainly the, the teams that I was on, the 
the coaches I played for, we took it really seriously. So that that part I did, it was never a joke to me. It was never a hobby. It was always something I wanted to be as, as good as I could possibly be. You know, I, I think I, I was good at what I could control. Yeah. You know, I wasn't very quick, but I could lift weights and I could get strong, so I was always strong. Yeah. You know, I, I, was, I wasn't going to jump over and dunk on people, but, you know, I shot and I shot and I shot. And I was one of the best three-point shooters, you know, in, in, in the country. Wow. And so the things that I could control and the things that I could make myself be good at, you know, I was good at. So I think I think any coach would kind of like that. I, I certainly like guys that uh, that are like that and they kind of remind me of myself, I guess. So, yeah, I think I think I, I, I'd like to coach me. <laughs> That's great, man. I like <laughs> There's a certain sense of satisfaction when you go back and you think about that. That's why I asked that question because when I go back and think about myself and say, would I like to have coached myself? And then there's certain aspects that I think, yeah, I think so. But then there's certain aspects where I think, nah, throw me out of practice or, you know, <laughs> I'd do something to show, hey, man, you're a knucklehead. Get over it and, you know, get it right. But, you know, I like what you said, coach, about controlling the things that you can control. I think that's uh, yeah. that speaks to to the human nature across the board, uh, but in basketball to understand like, yeah, I, I know I'm self aware to know my limitations, and the things that I can actually progress in and get better at. I'm gonna take the bull by the horns and just do that. Like you said earlier too on the onset, it's a game you can get better on your own, and yeah. I think that speaks volumes to all of us as coaches in directing and navigating through the player development process. And so, yeah, I really do appreciate you saying that. And yeah, coach, if you could coach a, if you can have a team full of young people who are the leading the nation in three point percentage of shooting. Yeah. I think you could coach them for sure. I think all of us could. <laughs> <laughs> now coach, can you uh, recall, you know, recall a memorable moment of your first time as a coach on the floor? Like, Whoa, this is it. I'm a coach now. Is there anything you can recall? You know, uh, like I, I can, the, the one thing that sticks out, not really on the floor. I remember the, when I first got the job with Frank, and uh, the, the first thing we do every year, we go to Jerry Mullins' Jamboree in Dallas. Yeah. It's one of yeah. the biggest Juco showcases, and yeah. uh, it's about six hours from us. And it was my first road trip. We got everything packed up, ready to go. It's about a six hour drive, and uh, the radiator in the bus blew about 20 minutes down the road. <laughs> oh, so we, we were sat by, by, by the side of the road in Panhandle, Texas. Wow. And finally, maintenance had to go down real and rent some vans and drive them to us. And we 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 got, got on the way to Dallas, and we were supposed to check into the hotel and eat before we go to the gym. And you know, it was we were supposed to play at six, and it was it was six fifteen. And I'm on the phone with Jerry Mullins, and we're coming, we're close. And, you know, we, we we basically the starting five was the first five guys to get their shoes on. And, <laughs> you know, so that was the first time I ever coached. And I don't even, I can't remember to tell you one thing about the game, but I'll remember that trip for the rest of my life. <laughs> You know, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know that's that JUCO life, and and I and I, yeah. I hate to put in those terms. It sounds derogatory, but it's it's the way to, I don't know. Yeah, it's a, it's like a badge of honor. Like at the end of the day, you're like, yeah, we went through that. Yeah, we grinded through that. And like you said, something you'll never forget. You can't. Yeah. You can't make you can't make up memories at that level. They just they just happen, man. They just. Yeah, they fall on your lap, and you have stories to tell till you're an old man. Nobody wants to listen yeah. to you anymore, but <laughs> definitely uh, a JUCO story to be sure. Yeah, looking back, it was uh, it's probably a sign of things to come. It was probably the best thing that could have prepared me for the next ten years. <laughs> Good. That's great. Man. You know, when I think that's a lot of us. We're 
we want we're, we're what do they what do you how do you say comfort creatures are creatures of comfort and we don't like yeah, change yeah. and we don't like to be rattled and but then there's that whole idea of being comfortable with being uncomfortable and staying on your toes yeah. and staying ready so you don't have to get ready all those things but that is so true so true man. yeah so coach you know you start off as a student manager or ga almost and then you go from an assistant to head coach uh what's the biggest transition from you know sitting on the bench as the assistant and then to the head coach kind of calling all the shots and the programs on your on your lap yeah i mean i think as an assistant you can walk away from it a lot easier yeah you know if you if you make a suggestion I mean, that's that's one of the sayings there's a big difference between making a suggestion and making a decision you know and then as an assistant you can make a decision i mean in the suggestion and if it doesn't work out you know you kind of walk away from it yeah. Whereas a head coach, man, you remember that you, you'll second guess yourself all night long if it, if it doesn't go the way you think. Yeah. You know, so I think certainly, certainly making the final decision rather than just offering an opinion, I think is is uh, a, a lot bigger difference than, than what it sounds. You know, and I think being, you're able to walk away from things a little easier as an assistant. They don't stay with you as much because it's kind of not your name by the program. You know, it's it, it when things are going good. You know, it's great because you can you can claim that you're part of the program. But when things are going bad, it's a little easier to kind of you know get out of the way and yeah, it's nothing to do with me. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, so it, yeah. it, as a head coach, you don't get to do that. You you take the good and you take the bad. Uh, so that that's that's the big thing. I mean, off the floor, I, I, there's a lot more administrative work with being a head coach than kind of what I ever imagined. You know, there's there's a lot of times, especially. Like a Frank Phillips, where I wear a lot of hats and I do the academic advice and you know things like that. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of times when you know me and my assistant will both be working on something. He's working on basketball stuff, and I'm working on admin stuff. You know, and it's stuff that he can't do. I've got to do it. Uh, so that was one thing that probably took me by surprise how much kind of admin would go with it, be uh, being a head coach. And then sometimes I feel like I, you know, basketball is like secondary sometimes. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, Coach, like, you know, you've, here again, coming from England, and your involvement still to this day with international basketball and coaches that you know and, you know, uh, different clubs maybe that you've, you've, uh, you've come across. What's the dynamic, you know, as far as the coaching staff? Is it kind of the, the same as it is here in the States, like the assistants or the assistants, the head coach? Like, how does that whole dynamic work from head coach to assistants and all that? Is it pretty pretty much similar? Yeah, it's it, it's kind of similar. I would say within the basketball like a basketball practice, I'd say it's very similar. You know, some some head coaches delegate more than others, but for the most part, practice is practice. So the difference in Europe compared to the uh, to the U.S. is that everything in Europe is club basketball. Yeah. So it's nothing to do with your school. So they're not they don't have any say in your academics. Your academics have no say in your basketball. You know, and, and you know, not so much in England, but certainly the other countries, you know, you get kids that are turning 13, 14, 15 years old and they're signing professional contracts. Wow. You know, so you, you're looking at club level, playing with your age groups, uh, and then moving on to, you know, the senior level, whether it be professional, non-professional, semi-professional. Uh, but you, you don't get the same, uh, you know, you don't deal with the academic side of things like, like you do over here. So, you know, I don't know whereas I have to worry about are they eligible, are they going to class, you know, the coaches that doesn't matter to them. Doesn't matter if you don't go to school, you could drop out, you can still can play basketball for the club. Yeah. You know, and and some kids do. The guy the ones that are that are really good and 
term professional is in the LEA, you know, Luka Doncic right now in the NBA. Yeah. You know, he's been professional for a long time. And you know, so when you, you know, when those NBA teams draft guys from Europe at 18, 19 years old, that's not the same as drafting an 18, 19 year old from, from America. That's, you're getting a kid that's been a pro for five years. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it, it's, it's, it's a big difference. Yeah. The first time I heard something about that was with Tony Parker when, uh, yeah. you know, when mm-hmm. he came over here to us here at the Spurs and, you know, we heard about him playing professionally at 14 and that was just kind of novel. Like what? What's it? Yeah. Why is he? He was, that? he did that. Back, uh, Ricky Rubio was another one. Yeah. He's one guy that, you know, almost didn't quite live up to the, the projections because as a junior player in, in Spain, yeah. I mean, he was the real deal. I mean, yeah. he turned, I mean, he's in the NBA. He's, he's a millionaire. He's got a great career, but you know, that he still didn't maybe achieve some of the things that people thought he was going to at, at an earlier age. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's like I say, it's common in, uh, in Europe, you know, those guys, they're not worried about whether they're going to school or not. It's not, it's not a big deal. Yeah, no. And I appreciate you kind of breaking that down because I think sometimes, uh, we don't, we don't realize when these European players come over that they've kind of already been put through a certain fire and, uh, at a young mm-hmm. age, like we could, we, like you said, you're getting a, you're getting a pro when you get these young people coming in from over, you know, overseas and, and they're at a young age still, you know, like you talk about yeah. Luca, I mean, man, that guy comes in, he's already playing like a veteran, and you know, he just he just has he has that cool, calm collectiveness that you know most guys at his age they don't have that. They really don't. Yeah. They're getting pushed around. They're getting beat up uh, where they come from because there's not uh, there's not this open gym mentality over there. And uh, yeah, so I think that's uh, that's great, and I appreciate you breaking that down. Now, coach, what excites yeah. you? What excites you about working with young people? I think just a chance to kind of shape their lives and maybe give them an opportunity, especially at the junior college level. They might not have got anywhere else, you know. There's, you know, especially like I said, especially at the junior college level, we get kids that, you know, they just they don't have anything, yeah. you know. And 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 you all of a sudden give them a chance. And I remember my first year at Frank, we had a, we had a play from Florida, and it, well, he was a big kid. He was about six eight, but he wasn't a great player. Uh, but he just kind of stuck it out, and he, he got a little bit better, and yeah. he came back as a sophomore, and he got a little bit better, and he never turned out to be a great player for us, but he was, you know, a hardworking kid, and, you know, and, and he went to a D3, and he, he played a little bit more, and he, then he graduated, and I just heard from him just about well, a couple months ago, and, you know, he's a kindergarten teacher, and I can't believe he's wow. a 6'8", 260-pound <laughs> kindergarten teacher, and he's working yeah. with AAU, and, and I think, man, that's a kid that literally in August – right before school started, wasn't even going to go to school, had nothing. And now just through basketball, gave himself a chance to have a completely different life. Yeah. You know, and and it's, and it's hard sometimes because you get kids like that, that, you know, he kind of grabbed it with both hands and really made something of his opportunity. And there's just as many kids, if not more kids that don't, you know, they had the same opportunity, but they couldn't stay out of trouble or, you know, they had too many things pulling at them from back home or whatever it might be. And you can't help every kid, but, you know, when you get a kid like that and you look back on it, man, it's a, it almost makes it worthwhile, you know. Yeah. The, the five or six guys that you couldn't help, but the one kid you do help, you, you made a big difference. Yeah, no, that's uh, that story right there, Coach, is, you know, you're, you're giving your experience at the JUCO level. And I've heard that story, you know, a thousand times, for, uh, you know, kind of at that level as well where, you know, you make of it what you want it to be. You get out what you invest into it. 
Yeah. You know, a kid, like you said, that's making the most of an opportunity that used basketball and didn't let basketball use him. Uh, think right. that, that's always my biggest concern with young people when I when they come to me and say, hey, coach, what do I do? You know, I wanted this, I wanted that. And, you know, my biggest response is, hey, look, you know, follow your heart, first of all. Make sure your heart's in the right place, first of all. And, uh, you know, don't let don't let it use you. You use it. Use basketball as a tool to get to where you want to get and be successful uh, because not everybody's going to the league. Not everybody's going overseas. Not everybody's going to Division One. So whatever, yeah. whatever, whatever opportunity you have, just make the most of it because I think most of us as adults, we see – we see time slip away from people. You know, we're still, yeah. you know, like you said, you're, you're going on 10 years there at Frank and you're like, you've seen people come and go and you think, okay, now I've seen where some people don't take advantage of the situation. And I've seen where people do take advantage and when they do, it's so fulfilling. And so, yeah, yeah. I think that us as coaches, we really need to be so cognizant and aware of, you know, Hey, who are we doing the best we can while we have these kids because uh, they really do need something more than just X's and O's. Uh, so, Coach, given all your success at the JUCO level, how's your career, you know, the game of basketball, how's that enriched your life personally? Uh, I think it's it's kind of almost uh, become intertwined. I mean, almost everything we do with my kids and my wife, we, everything just all kind of rolls into one, the vacations we we take fits around basketball and stuff. I'm doing winning basketball while I'm on vacation. It's opportunities we've had where I've, you know, gone and spoke with clinics and been able to take the family and then they've turned, turned their work into a, a trip at the same time. And you know, my girls, especially early on in the year when we first start school and it's open gym, my girls are always running, running around the gym. And, you know, so I kind of, basketball becomes part of your family and your family becomes part of your basketball. Yeah. Uh, so I think, I think it's just all becomes one big thing and, you know, it just, it just becomes your normal. I mean, stuff that when me and my wife first got together, you know, something she wasn't, you know, she didn't know, she wasn't sure about now. It's just the way we do things. You know, everything kind of, not that it revolves around basketball, but it's only the calendar. Yeah. You know, when there's certain times where she knows, you know, if he didn't see him, he's not going to be able to make it. We'll just plan on doing it with the girls or whatever it might be. You know, and it just, it just you know, kind of it is what it is on some things. It's... It gets in the way sometimes, but I think more more than anything, it, it, it kind of just makes things better. Yeah, no, I can completely relate with that. You know, when your family and the program are intertwined, like you said, it can be a fantastic experience. And unfortunately for you, it's that. And uh, it's like you grew your family uh, exponentially in a sense. And uh and yeah, that's a great support system all the way around because you're real. You're a real person at that point. There's yeah. there's more. Uh, I don't know. You're more tangible than ever when your team sees you with your family, and when your family right. sees you with your team. Because yeah. you know, kids always have this perception. I have four daughters, right? They have this perception: you're one way at work, and you're one way at home, and, and that's true to an extent. But your character is the same, your integrity is the same and who you, how you treat people fairly is the same. You may have to talk to those different groups differently, but uh, you're not changing who you are. You're just changing how you communicate. And so I think that's, that's super, that's great coach. And so uh, if you could be really candid coach, because I know there's a lot of things we say, well, if I look back, I have no regrets. 
I look back, I wouldn't change a thing, but is there anything you would change about your career and why? Uh, the, the only thing, looking back on it, I think, I don't know that it would necessarily have been better, something would have been different. Maybe if I had to try at a higher level when I was younger. Yeah. Uh, when I had really no responsibilities and you can take a job for no money. Yeah. Now I would think, you know, if I could have gone and, uh, you know, volunteered at a Division One program or, you know, something like that. Uh, what that could could maybe have led to, you know, because I've been a small college coach my whole career, but that's I played at a small college. I went on to a small college and finished up my bachelor's. You know, that, that's all I've ever known. You know, small D twos and then junior college. You know, and I, and I wonder if if I would have been able to uh, be at the Division One level earlier on in my career, how that would have changed things. And I think if something things would have been different, I don't know if it necessarily been better. Uh, I mean, maybe a little bit easier, perhaps, in, in terms of you know, I'm. You know, I'm a bricklayer's kid from, from Sheffield, England. You know, I don't have anybody, you know, pushing me. I have no big-name coach in my corner. You know, it's kind of one of those things where you just kind of struggle for everything you you get, every opportunity you get. And uh, I think if I would have had, you know, some Division One background and some Division One coaches maybe helping me, things may have been different. But, again, I don't know that necessarily would have been better. Uh, I mean, I'm certainly happy with how my career has gone, how it's continuing to go. Yeah, uh, but that, that's that's one thing that I think you know when you don't have kids, you don't have a family, you don't have a mortgage, you know you can kind of go at 22 years old when you used to having nothing, you yeah. know to have nothing for one more year, and you know yeah. maybe that, that that one year in a in a big program can can uh, kind of give you a head start in the uh, in the industry. Yeah, no, for sure. I I appreciate your candidness, coach, because that's something that I think our listeners of the coaches listening, even some of the players that may be tuning in and and to say to themselves if there's anything that I want to get out of this lifetime and I'm kind of hesitating on, I need to just do it or not do it. I mean, whatever, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Just kind of one of those things to like in retrospect, what, what could I, should I have done? And I think that's something for all of us, all of us as adults and as grown adults can say, Hey, yeah, no regrets, but there is that one thing or there's that 10, <laughs> there are those 10 things or whatever. Right. And so, yeah. yeah, but but Kaj, uh, uh, to to hear you say that you're the son of a bricklayer, wait, man, you're built for this. Then you are. Man. <laughs> I mean, this this JUCO life, this coaching uh, life, yeah, man, that's perfect. I think that's great. I'm glad you brought that up too because I'm like, wow, <laughs> never had a son of a bricklayer on the show, and that's that's uh, that's monumental in my opinion. So that's good stuff, man. So, Coach, I I, I always ask this question because I think. We always, we're always in teaching mode, right? You know, it's, it's almost like everywhere we are, we're trying to teach. It's not something we switch on and off, especially if you have kids. You know, you're always teaching. And sometimes with the wife, we got to tune that down a little bit. We can't be trying to teach them all the time. But because I think I find myself sometimes with my wife and I'm like, no, it's this way. Like, I'm not teaching her. I'm, you know, I got to figure this thing out. I got to stop, get out of coach, coach teacher mode. But we're always trying to teach, right? And and I think we need to sometimes we need to stop and think about what have we learned? What's life teaching yeah. us? What's our career teaching us? So, Coach, what have you learned about yourself throughout your career? I think that you have to be willing to change. You know, I yeah. think uh, you almost hate to say that. I mean, your core values aren't going to change, but you got to be prepared to change. I don't think I'm anywhere close to the same coach I was ten years ago. Just yeah. even in the same job. You know, and people say kids have changed. Some people say, no, I don't think kids have changed. You know, it's different. You can't do the same things that you could do 10 years ago. You can't coach them the same way. 
you know, there's a big reason why the transfer list is is as as big as it is. Kids are just jumping chip at the first opportunity, and that doesn't mean that you need to pander to them. But I certainly don't think you can, you can't lie to them. Yeah. You know, you you've got to be fair to them. And then and sometimes I think a lot of the the mistakes, especially with all these transfers, is done in recruiting. You're telling the kid what he wants to hear, and then when he gets to campus. It, that's not reality. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so it, so part of it, people are blaming the kids, saying, "Well, you know, you should stick it out." Well, you know, if if what you're walking into is not what they told you you were going to be walking into, then you know you got a little bit of a right to be upset. Yeah, so I correct. think if you if you won't have kids transfer if you're honest with them from the beginning. You know, if a kid's going to come in and start for you, fine, say it. But if the kid's not, and you're just telling him he is, then there's going to be a conflict. Yeah. You know, so I think. I think being able, being willing to change is is something I've had to do. You know, I, I don't think I'm quite as, maybe just getting older too, maybe having my own kids. I don't think I'm quite as volatile as I used to be in my play. Let me tell you different, but you know, I, I don't coach them the same way. I don't yeah. react the same way. Yeah. You know, I, I just, I know that I'm, you know, trying to be nice to them. They're just trying to be their friend. I mean, that that's not what it is. And I certainly still have my moments, but I think I'm a lot more, uh, you know, kind of rational, a lot more willing to explain rather rather than just say, hey, just do it because I told you to do it. Yeah. Here's why I want you to do it. Yeah. You know, and I think I think that helps kids too. If they understand why you're doing something, that's a lot different to how 10, 15 years ago where you can you just say, hey, you know, I told you to do it, you do it. That's the end of it. Yeah. You know, yeah. so. Yeah. And, yeah. I think, and I think once you explain to them at the onset or maybe the second time, then you can just say, just do it. Because then there's, yeah. they know why you're saying just do it because you've already explained to them, and it's something, yeah. and it's something that just comes with you know with reps, interpersonal reps, you know. Yeah. I mean, kids need to get their reps at practice or game time or whatever. Well, we as coaches with those here again interpersonal relationships, we need reps too <laughs> with them. Yeah. And I think that that just comes with that. So yeah, no, it's very very important what you're saying as far as that communication goes. Now, Coach, I always ask a, a question about, you know, pr- pretty much what a legacy would be for a- every coach, even though sometimes we don't want to think about it because, like yourself, you still got a long ways to go. But I also think we need to kind of always have or begin with the end in mind, so to speak, and kind of see ourselves where we want to be. Maybe not, you know, oh, I want to be at the Division One level or I mean more like, what do you want people to say about you when it's all said and done? That's kind of the, the, the idea. And, and how do you want to conduct yourself right now to make sure that you've reached that goal at least? So coach, yeah. I, I would ask you, what would you want people to be, you know, to people to say about you when it's all said and done? I think, I think I'd, if, if people said that I got the most out of what I had and that I always tried to do the best for the, for, for the guys I was responsible for, I think I could say I'd had a good career. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, you, you love to win championships, and we've had some some, some success with sending guys to Division One schools, obviously, the, uh, Alizé Johnson getting drafted and going to the NBA. I mean, there, there's some highlights that you'll, you'll remember, but, you know, like the story I told uh, about the kid at the kindergarten teacher, I mean, that makes me just as proud as, as, as Alizé being in the NBA. Yeah. You know, so there's there's a uh, – you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of wins that aren't necessarily, you know, wins on the basketball floor. Yeah. You know, so you kind of you got to look within your program and then for the job that you have and what what's successful in in one program's eyes may not be successful in another. But I think if if you said that I got it got everything I could out of what I had and I always did right by my guys, I'd, I'd feel like I did a good job. 
coach. Thank you so much again for your time. I do appreciate your perspective, and I know that it's going to be well-received throughout our listenership. So here again, man, thank you for taking the time. And from another, from another fellow Texan, I appreciate you. No problem. Thanks for having me on, and uh, I look forward to, to hearing it when, it when it goes out. For sure, Coach. Here again, thank you. Thank you.